Would you stand and recite with me the Shema before we receive the Holy Scriptures? Shema Israel. Adonai Eloheinu. Adonai Ahad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. The scripture this morning is from the seventh chapter of the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, beginning with verse 10. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary mortals that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the young woman is with child and shall bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey by the time he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the child knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land before whose two kings you are in dread will be deserted. The Lord will bring on you and your people and on your ancestral house such days as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, you may have heard a thing or two about how difficult my flight home from Ireland was. We were in the Houston airport and could not find an airline employee to help us anywhere. I think that's why I found the video link that was emailed to me this week so hard to believe. Maybe you saw it. It was from WestJet Airlines. Customers who checked into their flight in Toronto were headed to Hamilton International Airport, and as they checked into their flight, they were asked to scan their boarding pass next to a screen where Santa appeared. And Santa asked them what they wanted for Christmas. So each, Christ, each customer declared their Christmas wish. What a fun way to pass the time at the gate, don't you think? What they didn't know, that as they declared their Christmas wish, airline employees were actually listening into their conversation with Santa, and they immediately started to work. They bought presents, they wrapped presents, they tagged presents. So with the, when the flight arrived at the Hamilton International Airport and everyone went down to baggage claim, gifts started rolling off the carousel. Every person got what they asked for. A Thomas the Train choo-choo, a camera, an Android tablet, free flights home for the holidays, a big screen TV. But there was this one guy, one guy who appeared before Santa and said, I just need some socks and underwear. So when he arrived at the Hamilton International Airport and he opened his gift, he got socks and underwear. I saw this guy and I thought, ah, he reminds me of King Ahaz. Some scholars speculate that this conversation in the book of Isaiah takes place between Ahaz and Isaiah outside the Jerusalem city walls. 
that Isaiah finds Ahaz surveying the aqueduct system, the water supply, as he prepares for an attack by the joint forces of the northern kingdom and Aram. Isaiah tells Ahaz, keep calm. Do not be afraid. These armies are two smoldering stubs of firewood. The Lord says this invasion will not happen. And then Isaiah again says to Ahaz, ask for anything, any sign, as high as heaven or as deep as hell. The Lord will give it to you. Declare your desire. And while Ahaz entertains the company of the prophet, he won't ask for anything. It's as if he just says, eh, socks and underwear would be great. In spite of the king's cowardice, I am reminded of God's great generosity. Through the prophet Isaiah, God says, Your greatest fear, it will not happen. It will not come to pass. Not only that, ask me for reassurance. Anything, anything that you want, any word, I will give it to you. Theologian James Bryan Smith says that generosity always flows from either a sense of abundance or a feeling of compassion. That we give when we think that we have more than enough, or we give when our heart is moved. So God is both. God's provisions are never exhausted. And God always notices and cares for our needs. Writer Kathleen Norris tells another story about being at an airport. She talks about a couple who's sitting with their infant at a departure gate. And the baby is awake and staring intently at people as they walk by. And as soon as he recognizes a human face, it doesn't matter if it's young or old, busy or bored, happy or sad. The baby responds with delight. He plays with anyone who will allow. This child intruded on personal space with delight. And so I guess I'm wondering this morning, have you noticed his delight? Will you welcome his intrusion? It'd be a shame to just get socks and underwear. My two oldest children took midterm exams this week, and as I watched their weariness, I was reminded of a time when I took many tests myself. I was taken back to a classroom where the tests that weighed heavily upon my final grade were returned. It seems that now students just check the computer to learn their test grades. But then, back in the day, we sat in the classroom where the tests were returned to us, put into our hot little hands. What if you forgot to put your name on the test? What then? Well, then began the process of returning the unclaimed tests 
to the correct owners. So I think what we have going on here in Isaiah chapter 7 is an unclaimed exam. Whose test is this, I wondered this week. Is this Isaiah's test? It could be. God sent Isaiah to Ahaz with a message. But Isaiah is frustrated. Ahaz doesn't hear the message of assurance that God wants him to receive. Did Isaiah fail this test? Who would want it really? I won't challenge God, Ahaz says. What he means is, I refuse to accept God's free offer. That's not piety. That's rebellious. And rebelliousness is exactly what the writer of Deuteronomy is referring to when after the Ten Commandments and the Shema... He says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. In other words, put your faith in God's goodness. Ahaz is essentially doing the very thing that he is claiming not to do. He won't believe in God's promises. He won't accept God's offer and invest in the relationship. He won't believe in God's goodness. My favorite verse in this passage of scripture is verse 13, which in one version says, Ahaz, is it not enough that you try the patience of men, the people that follow you? Will you try the patience of God also? Ahaz is walking on thin ice. But I have some sympathy for the king. Because I believe that he is paralyzed by fear. And his fear has made him incredibly nearsighted. I get it. I'm nearsighted. I bet you've seen me wearing my glasses more and more this year. I can only see what is right in front of my face, and everything else out there is a blur. It's been good to see your faces this year. Fear makes us nearsighted. We only see the present circumstances. We only see the immediate needs, the armies who are closing in on us. And it is in fear, I believe, that we make alliances with the enemies. 2 Kings chapter 16 tells us that Ahaz sends a tribute to the Assyrian king. And in that tribute, he describes himself as the servant of the Assyrian king. And then he describes himself as his son. There's a spooky parallel in this passage in 2 Kings. The scripture says that the king of Assyria hears King Ahaz. And it's the same Hebrew uh, phrase that is used when God hears the slaves cry out in Egypt in Exodus. God's hearing leads to freedom. But when the king of Assyria hears you, that leads to disaster and subjugation. So Isaiah tells Ahaz to ask for a remarkable sign, but Ahaz refuses. So a sign is given anyway, but it is amazingly unremarkable. See that young woman over there? And most scholars say she's already pregnant. Isaiah says that woman over there will give birth, and that child's name will be Emmanuel. 
childbirth as a sign? Could there be anything more ordinary? We all go through it at least once. And as Isaiah names the child for Ahaz, Ahaz probably thinks, ugh, there goes the prophet again. Because earlier in this very chapter, Isaiah introduced his son to Ahaz, who is named Only a Remnant Will Return. And in the next chapter, Isaiah writes of a son whose name is The Spoil Speeds, But the Prey Hastens. Poor kids. I think Emmanuel gets the best of the three names, does he not? God with us. Now, this would not be a new concept to the faithful. This is a prominent idea in the Old Testament, God with us. From the Garden of Eden to Joseph, the Ark of the Covenant, the Tabernacles, David, Gideon, Hezekiah, these events and these people testify to the thought that the divine presence is with the people. This child, Emmanuel, is simply a reminder. God is with us. Even in a very troubled time in Israel's history, there are two armies closing in on Jerusalem, and within 20 years, the Assyrians will take Jerusalem. We can have faith in God's presence, even when the details of God's presence are not clear. It's no surprise to me that centuries later in Matthew's Gospel, when the angel Gabriel appears to Joseph, who must have been wondering about the details of the situation he found himself in, these words from Isaiah appear again. The angel Gabriel says to Joseph, The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and he shall be called Emmanuel. The Messiah's birth, God in the flesh, there must be something important to this God with us idea. I want to illustrate for you the deepening that occurs in the gospel promise by talking about a what if. What if something tragic were to appear in your life and you called me on the telephone? I can assure you that I would be compassionate, that I would be able to say, I am sorry to hear that that has happened, and I would mean it, and I would say to you on the phone, I'm with you. But if something tragic happens in your life and you call Donna or Matt or many other people in this congregation, I'm willing to bet that they will come in the flesh to where you are. I've seen it happen. I can't do that. I have my limitations, three to be exact. But these other saints among us, they will come to you, and they will be with you in such a way that you can see them and touch them and hear them. They will be with you, with you. That's Jesus' birth. The Emmanuel idea is so important that it becomes enfleshed for us. And at the end of Matthew's gospel, after the crucifixion, does this promise end? No, you know the very end of Matthew's gospel, the last words in the gospel, the resurrected Christ, 
appears to the disciples and he says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And later Paul will write to the Romans, who are not those who followed Jesus, but instead believe in the truth of the resurrection. Paul writes to them, God is so with you that nothing in heaven or earth can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. God is that with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God.